It's time for episode 105 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, September 23rd, 2015. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, now running ClockOS 2. I'm your co-host, Jason <laughs> Snell, and across the internet from me, my co-host, Mr. Dan Warren. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Uh, wasn't OS 2, isn't that obsolete? Isn't that, wasn't that like 20 years ago? No, it runs Windows 3.1 programs. What are you talking about? That's perfect. That's exactly That's what great. I want. I've always, I've always wanted a command line interface to my podcast. Yes, well, now you have it. Thank uh, God. So welcome to Clockwise, the uh, the show with uh, four people talking about technology topics in 30 minutes or less. We welcome two wonderful guests, as we always do. To my left, it is uh, a writer, uh, a podcaster. Uh, what what can't he do? It's Mr. Andy Anotko. Hi, Andy. Hi, guys. Thank you for inviting me to be your third-party complication today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. How do you even follow that up? Well, let me tell you how you follow that up with our other fabulous guest, Mac Power user's own, Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hi, guys. I, I will try not to complicate your lives. <laughs> We, that we, makes one of our guests. We, <laughs> looking at you, Andy. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. Uh, since uh, I introduced the show, I'll go first with my topic, and then we'll proceed clockwise. Uh, my topic is this. Uh, Amazon, uh, while in the midst of all the crazy Apple announcements that happened last week, Amazon unveiled a bunch of interesting things, a huge new lineup. Uh, they've got the Fire TV. They've got a bunch of tablets. They've got a whole like uh, six-pack of tablets you can buy. <laughs> for uh i think it's buy five get the sixth for free of the 50 dollars tablet i'm curious um in the wake of the kind of debacle around the fire phone interesting products like the amazon echo what do you all think of amazon's hardware strategy now and who uh, who are those products for who should be considering uh buying their hardware branded direct from amazon andy what do you think I'm not sure that they have a really coherent strategy, but I like what I see in so many of their products, which is the idea of we're going to try something crazy and it's either not going to work or it's going to work. And when it works, it's Amazon Echo and it works amazingly. And when it doesn't work like Fire Phone, it's A, hysterically funny and at least has a lot of ideas that are really interesting, just poorly executed. So I, I think they're for definitely uh, across the board. It's for people who definitely have bought lots of Amazon content. And that's really the only thing that unites them all. You know, I, I think they launched this promotion a bit early. I think they should have launched it around the Super Bowl. So you, you go out to the store beforehand and pick up your six-pack of Amazon Fire tablets uh, <laughs> and hand them out to all your guests. I think that's a fascinating, if somewhat strange, way to sell things. The only reason I could think to buy a six-pack of $50 tablets is either for education purposes. They are, that is pretty cheap. Um, or possibly for business if you're deploying uh, these things. But they're, they're really so focused on content um, consumption that it seems trickier to use them for those other purposes. So I'm not really sure, as Andy said, what the overall strategy is there, but it's an interesting idea, and it's certainly one that that shakes up the status quo a bit, although I, I dread the inevitable questions of people telling me, like, why should I spend $500 on an iPad when I can buy an Amazon Fire tablet for $50? <laughs> like, well, you get what you pay for. Um, as far as the Fire TV, I've been a pretty big fan of it, although I'm, I'm kind of waiting for the new Apple TV to see how that stacks up. Uh, the best announcement, I thought, of all of them was that they're bringing the Alexa virtual assistant to not only the new Fire TVs, but also the existing ones in the form of a software update, because the voice search on Fire TV has been really good. Clearly, you know, with Siri coming to the Apple TV, Amazon needs to up their game a bit. Um, and so they're sort of trying to keep a pace by bringing Alexa to the Fire TV, which I'm excited to test out whenever that software update drops. 
I don't know what Amazon's strategy is with the tablets. Clearly, they've made amazing e-reader products with the Kindle product. And I think if you purely just want an e-reader, the, the Kindle is still the way to go with that. As, as far as the tablets, I, I think the six-pack of tablets is really for people who want to give these to kids. So it's, you know, if you break them, it's not that big of a deal. Or people who maybe want to give them as gifts, you know, maybe in the corporate environment or to their employees. But I'm kind of glad that Amazon is still in, in some of the hardware game because I think the Fire TV was a great product. I have a Fire TV stick. I don't know that I'm going to use it that much now that the the new Fire or the new Apple TV is out. And particularly, it appears that I'm hopefully at some point going to be able to get Amazon natively on my Apple TV. But that's what I used the Fire TV stick was basically to turn my my dumb TV into a smart TV, and and it worked swimmingly for that. And you know, I bought it for twenty five bucks during a promotion, and I think otherwise it's about thirty five or forty bucks. So it's it's very reasonable for what it does. And I, I think Amazon is going to keep Apple and and other uh, product manufacturers on their game. The Alexa was a or the uh, the Echo, the Amazon Echo Echo with Alexa was a great product. Um, their their Kindle tablets are very good products. Their their or their their Kindle readers are very good products. Their their tablets. Yeah, we'll see. I think uh, what Andy said about it, uh, questioning the coherent strategy here, I think is clear. Amazon is very clearly in this kind of, we're going to just do a lot of crazy stuff and see what works and what doesn't. And sometimes it is humorously a uh, failure and other times it's really interesting. I think Amazon, what fascinates me about them is their integration of their hardware and their services. Those are, uh, I think Amazon does a pretty good job with their hardware and then they have great online services and uh it's a little like apple having really good hardware and software um there's a there there are other pieces that you can sort of see are problematic like apple it's cloud services and i think with amazon it's software and interface design where a lot of times their uh their stuff is just weird and not quite good but um the prices are pretty great so i think i think uh uh it, it's uh yeah i think it's interesting i think cheap tablets one use case for tablets is using them as like little tvs and game machines and for that that you probably don't need an iPad. So um, I, I don't have a problem with that. I think that their hardware is, uh, a lot of their hardware is good. And the Fire TV, I've got a Fire TV stick and I think it's pretty maybe, good too. Maybe they'll distribute those tablets to like uh, tables at the wedding receptions, like with like That's disposable cameras. I, I, I uh, Fire TV sticks in a, in a little uh, p- 10 pack. <laughs> you just uh, hand them out like candy. Uh, anyway, I, Do Amazon, not need Fire TV sticks. I am fascinated by Amazon's hardware stuff and I'm not sure quite uh, what I think of it. It's every product is fascinating and different and weird and... And I love that they surprise us and that they challenge the market with their crazy hardware stuff. Uh, All right. Thanks for your uh, input on that topic. Let's move on to our next topic. Andy, what do you have for us? Well, today, Volkswagen CEO, we can call him former embattled Volkswagen CEO Martin Winterkorn, uh, which is not the name of a character in a Wes Anderson movie, was forced to resign today as we're recording this after it was discovered that 11 million Volkswagen diesel cars are actually programmed to sense when an emissions test is happening and it changes its performance so the vehicle can pass. Uh, And Samsung has been accused of doing the same thing, sensing when a benchmark is being applied and tuning its own results so it will do well there. What behaviors of your own do or did you change when you knew or know you're going to be tested? Uh, well, I will say for one that every time I'm about to go to the dentist, I definitely brush my teeth and floss. <laughs> yeah. And floss. I floss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, 
yeah, took exactly. my answer, Dan. Damn you. Uh, yeah, well, that was, that was the best one I could think of. Um, and, you know, I have to say, as a, a Volkswagen owner, though not of a diesel car, I'm experiencing whatever the inverse of, like, schadenfreude is, I think. With I think it's called Farfenugen. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's the opposite of Farfenugen. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That, if anything else, I'm trying to think if I've got any really, like, it's not like I, like, work out when I, before I go to the doctor's office or something like that. So I guess I'll have to stick with uh, prepping before going to the dentist. Boy, I, I I don't know. I think Dan's probably stolen the the good. I, I just try not to cheat in the first place because you know what it it is what it is. So, yeah, I, I definitely do floss and, and brush my teeth before going to the dentist, but uh, uh, otherwise, it's all just going to catch up with you. I'm going to the dentist in less than two hours, and let me tell you, <laughs> I have been flossing for the last couple of days. Also, I, Martin Wintercorn uh, resigning. Does that mean? Winter corn is going. <laughs> oh. You owe everybody a dollar for that one. I, uh, goodbye. I'm, I, apparently, I don't I change my behavior it, Jason. when I'm being tested because I am still making terrible jokes. Um, I, I, it, it, this is such a crazy story. I'm glad you brought it up. I think that we could we could have talked. <laughs> about uh, <laughs> software. I mean, all the rumors about Apple cars and things like that. I, I think you look at this and you see how important software and hardware integration is and how um, we lament how car makers are really bad at software. Oh, I guess like like they did a good really job good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe it's a problem. Uh, the EFF, I think, <laughs> pointed out that uh, some DR, anti-DRM uh, laws make it difficult for people to inspect the code that runs in in, uh, in cars, and that can potentially uh, protect them from hackers. But in reality, what it means is that it also uh, makes it impossible to analyze what they're doing for things like cheating on tests. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, and dentists, Andy, to go back to your original question, yeah, I, I need to floss. I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> We'll see you in four hours. But you have to switch to the, you have to switch to the vanilla Oreos for the day before. <laughs> That's right because they're, they're dental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I was think I was thinking back to uh, I was writing about this for uh, Cars.com yesterday, and I was thinking back. I couldn't help but think about like when I was in high school and college, and more more in high school than college. How I, I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed my classes. I enjoyed reading and just getting into stuff. I was one of those kids who occasionally would like come across a footnote in the assigned reading and would try to find the book because I'm actually I actually was curious about more details about that sort of thing. And I was always amazed that the week before there was a big exam, I stopped going into I want to learn, I want to broaden my understanding, I want to use these tools and these new eyes to have a wider view of the world and an understanding of what goes on in it too. I want to understand what question they're kind, what they want out of me, and how I can give them that thing that they want from me, as opposed to showing them how much I've learned and understood. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I don't. I have no sympathy for Volkswagen. I have no sympathy for for Samsung. But it's gotta occur to them to say that, oh man, this car would would go like butter on a hot skillet if we just didn't have to comply with these. Well, you know what? We technically only have to comply with emission standards for seven minutes. I bet we can complete. I bet we can make that. Com- <laughs> we can make that work. It's, it's I, software. If it's I iron this one minutes. shirt. People will yes. think that I have a whole closet full of iron shirts. No, but but yeah, but, but don't don't we do that? It's like I, I have done that myself. Like I've I've doing my laundry. I'm going for I'm going out for a trip, uh, and I realize that you know what? I'm wearing this shirt under a jacket. I really only have to iron the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, we have gotten deep into the psyche of all of our panelists today <laughs> and your co-hosts. Um, but uh, Andy, thank you for the topic. That was fun. Um, uh, and our condolences or whatever the opposite of schadenfreude is to the uh, <laughs> to the Volkswagen owners out there. Uh, we're two topics in. We've got two more topics left to go at halftime. We like to tell you about a sponsor. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Casper, online retailer of premium mattresses you can get for a fraction of the price that you would find in a store. The mattress industry likes to make you pay high prices. They like to confuse you. You go to a showroom, you lay on a mattress for like a minute and you think, eh, that was a mattress and you don't know what to do. Um, Casper revolutionizes the mattress in- industry. It cuts the cost of dealing with retailer resellers and showrooms, passes the savings on to you and and the mattress itself is a fascinating uh, space-age, futuristic, 21st-century kind of mattress. It's a hybrid of uh, premium latex foam and memory foam. They come together, and they give you the better nights and the brighter days that Casper is famous for with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Very comfortable mattress. I have one of these in my house. I sleep on it every night, and it is, uh, it's a really good mattress. And I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Um, it, I really enjoy sleeping on the Casper. It is, uh, it's sort of uh, changed... Uh, uh, my my sleep rituals for the better. So thank you to Casper for that. Uh, generally, uh, when you're shopping for a mattress, you'll find that they can cost uh, well over a thousand dollars. Casper mattresses start at five hundred for a twin, seven fifty full, eight fifty queen, nine fifty king, and they're all made in the USA. Uh, Casper also knows that buying a mattress online seems totally crazy, but uh, you don't have to worry because buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. There's free delivery and returns within a 100-day trial period. So if you're afraid that you're not going to like the mattress, you know what? Don't worry about it because if you don't like the mattress, they'll take it away and give you your money back. Don't lie on a bed for four minutes in a showroom and think that you know anything about a mattress and its comfort. Try out Casper. Listeners of Clockwise can get $50 toward any Casper. Casper purchase by visiting casper.com slash clockwise and using the code clockwise. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for supporting Clockwise and halftime is over now. Dan, what is your topic? I'm so glad you asked. This morning I was uh, I heard a friend on Twitter ask um, if, if she could update her, her Mac to Yosemite by now, if everything, it's all the kinks had sort of been worked out. Uh, and sure. you know what? Yeah, so I had this moment of thinking and I, I responded to her, you know, actually, I just updated uh, a few weeks back my Mac mini server that's hooked up to my TV, but also serves as sort of like, you know, all storage point for so much of my digital life uh, to Yosemite from Mavericks because I didn't want to screw with something that is, you know, so crucial to my whole setup. Um, and so I, that made me wonder, what are your guys' strategies for dealing with updates as we encounter this period where we have uh, iOS 9's out, watchOS 2 is out, El Capitan comes out next week? Um, what is your sort of process for dealing with updates? Are you an immediate upgrader or do you like to uh, let other people test the waters a bit? Katie, what do you say? Upgrade and pray. <laughs> no, uh, I tend to upgrade fairly immediately. In fact, I've been I've been running... El Capitan on one of my machines for a couple of weeks now because we just did a Mac Power Users episode on it that's that's going to come out on Monday. So right before 
uh, El Cap is scheduled to release. I've been running iOS 9 on my iPad for a couple of months before it was released, and then I just moved it to my carry phone a couple of weeks before, again, so that we could write and talk about it. But what I tend to do on my primary systems before a major update is, you know, of course, I, I back up everything. And um, you, I don't believe you can back up to iCloud during the beta period, but I, I do back up to iTunes with my iOS devices. And then on my primary machines, um, I like to have what I call a, a, a shelf backup or a drawer backup, whatever you want to call it, but basically a clone backup that's separate from my normal backup rotation um, that I can just stick in a shelf or, or stick in a drawer somewhere that if something goes horribly wrong, I know that I can revert back to that known good state. And that's about it. Um, and then I hit the button and, and I upgrade. I, I don't do one of these nuke and pave, you know, erase anymore unless I have a very specific reason to. I've just found that the upgrades tend to go so smoothly now that that's just no longer an issue. Well, my upgrade strategy is uh, not one that I recommend for other people, which is you end up writing reviews of all this stuff. So you install <laughs> the betas and then you live with the betas and you live with the horrible crippling bugs that are in the early betas. And slowly over time, it becomes better. And then when it comes time for the product to ship, you have to remember what it was like before you went to the betas and we're using the old version of the operating system so that you can remember how regular people will feel when they upgrade, which is what I'm struggling with right now as, as I work on uh, El Capitan stuff is trying to remember what it was like when I was using Yosemite back in like June. Um, so I don't recommend this for any other regular people. For uh, the, the 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 other devices in my house, I mean, we wait we wait for it to come out, and uh, and then I I let it I let it lay. I've been dealing with all the bugs and all the weirdnesses um, for a while now, so I sort of uh, uh, leave it for my family to say, "Oh, should I do this update?" And then I say, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." But um, I don't like rush them into it because what if there is something crazy that happens on day one that makes it all weird? It's it's worth uh, just kind of laying back until people people uh, you know the OS downloads it in the background and says, "Would you like me to install it?" And then I say, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." Um, because lately with the Apple devices especially these updates are pretty gentle um, there was a time a couple of years ago there were there were like the iOS uh, 7 update was uh, pretty dramatic and crazy but uh, iOS 9 El Capitan uh, the, these are these are much gentler updates I think so um, I, I and I, I recommend them both I think they're both uh, perfectly fine and free free flowing free updates is a is a it's a pretty easy world to live in it's not like the old days where it's like wow it's gonna cost me fifty dollars and is it worth it and all that it's just like yeah it's not like that anymore i think andy yeah i i uh, apple has a pretty good track record with me for updates so unless i'm traveling or unless i'm in like the last two weeks of a book project like where i'm absolutely hosed as no human being has ever been hosed before if a critical feature of my phone or, or macbook does not work anymore uh yeah I'll, I'll i'll go right in um the only thing that's kind of interesting is that i don't do a nuke and pave but i do uh, sort of uh, on, a, on a Mac update, I try to at least remove all of my apps, remove all of my docs, uh, all of my all my personal files, because I find that's the only way to keep the clutter down to a low noise level. Uh, because uh, maybe it's partly because I do review like tons and tons of apps. I will have like lots of apps that you download just to check it out. And okay, it took me 11 minutes to find out this is total crap. No interest in writing about this, but it's still there on uh, in, in my applications folder. So what I find is that it's really, really helpful to once a year, no longer than once every couple of years, start off with an empty hard drive. And every time you need a file, 
you go get that file from the backup that you made before you did the upgrade and copy that file onto the into your documents folder. And there it is. And every time you need an application, you go and download a fresh copy of that application from wherever the canonical source of uh, up-to-date versions of that are. And the weird thing is, uh, if uh, right now I'm struggling, as always, with my 256 gigabyte uh, SSD and, the, my, and my MacBook Pro and just... Uh, it's 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 fun to go do a get info on your finder and say, oh, you, I've got 20 megabytes left. Isn't that isn't that colorful? It's like being in 1985 again. Uh, but once I do this upgrade after two weeks, I don't notice anything at all missing. And I somehow have 60 to 70 gigabytes free that I didn't have before. So sometimes you do have to do a big house cleaning. and I use OS level Mac updates to as an excuse to do that. That, that is really quite hygienic, almost as if you were about to be tested on the contents of your <laughs> MacBook. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of use a mixture like Jason. You know, Obviously, since I write about so much of this stuff, I find that I update early and update often. Um, I try to keep, since I have two Macs, uh, not setting aside the server, I feel like I've got this like spectrum of things right now. You know, like I'll have like a, my server, which is running like the year-old OS that's pretty stable. I'll have my iMac, which is sort of my daily work machine, which is running the current version of whatever is out. And then oftentimes my MacBook Air, which is my travel and ancillary machine, will be running whatever the next thing is. Uh-huh. So I sort of have a, a whole spectrum of things there. The same thing with my iOS device. Is I usually, uh, you know, start really putting my beta on my iPad because it's far less critical to me, um, and my iPhone I really only adopt when it's like late in the beta period. Um, I don't do any of those great. I, I mean, I think Andy's suggestions are great. I am super lazy and kind of a digital pack rat, so I never do any of that. So I just have tons of clutter on all of my devices, um, which is yeah. I don't recommend. I'm but looking it has at my a preference folder, and uh, my preference folder has some preference files from 2002. So yeah, I yeah. <laughs> You might need those, though. You don't know. I might you, need you might, the Mozilla registry and the Sherlock channels list. ResEdit Res Res is still a very, very useful app. When you get rid of it, that is the moment you will need it. Let me tell you. Uh, yeah. I have learned this. Um, so, yeah. But thank you all for your, your upgrade strategies. I appreciate your differing viewpoints. Uh, which brings us, I think, to our, to our final topic. Katie? Yeah, so I was wondering, now that watchOS 2.0 has dropped, and it's been a couple of days, so hopefully you've finally got your downloads completed and you've been able to get it installed, (laughs) but I'm wondering, how how have you modified your watch, and how has that modified the use of your watch since we have these new features now? Uh, I'm all about the third-party complications. I'm so excited. Um, There aren't that many yet. I I feel like the the biggest story... Okay, let me back up. There is too much. Let me sum up. Um, I love nightstand mode. I use my my Apple Watch as my alarm clock now, which I never never use an iPhone for an alarm clock, but I use the Apple Watch, and I I really enjoy that uh, just on my bedside, and it's my alarm clock, and it's great. Uh, I think so much, though, of watchOS 2 is going to be about third parties. The apps are more capable now. They can run independently of the iPhone. If you're on Wi-Fi somewhere without your your phone around, they can still pull data off the internet, and the third-party complications are there. And there are only a few out there right now, so I think that's going to be the make-or-break thing for uh, how awesome watchOS 
iOS 2 can be is really like, how do the developers adapt to this? What are the third-party complications that are very clever? Because quite frankly, I don't really want to launch apps on my Apple Watch. And when I do launch them, I want to launch them sort of from the watch face. I really want to just look at the watch face and get some data that's important to me. So I'm looking forward to getting more. I've got Dark Sky on there right now, which is fine, but it doesn't rain in California, so it's sort of pointless. (laughs) Uh, I'm looking for for more great third-party complications. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page as Jason. Uh, that's the the one thing of all the list of things that Watch 2.0 does. Yeah, I'm looking forward to apps on the watch and seeing what developers can do with that. But my biggest disappointment all summer with Apple Watch has been it really demands a lot of prodding and a lot of attention to get it to do something useful. Uh, where uh, I wore an Android Wear watch every day for eight months, and I love the fact that it would anticipate information that I wanted and make sure it's already there for me uh, about the time that I'm checking my watch. So I'm looking forward to like Uber updating their app with a complication so that if I have called an Uber in the upper corner of the screen, there will be eight minutes. Great. So the car is going to be here in eight minutes time. It got, didn't get lost. It's the number's getting lower. So it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely working great. Um, I got to say though, that Apple watch is just a negligible part of my life. Uh, I did wear it. I, I stopped wearing it daily a few, uh, last week when the 2015 edition of the Moto 360 came out, the new smaller version of it. And really, Apple Watch was a way to tell the time. It was a way to get notifications from my phone onto the display. And it gave me really good fitness features, which are things that I can get out of a lot of different smartwatches, including a $130 fitness band from Garmin. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if Watch 2.0 opens up availability of awesomeness that has, for me, been untapped so far with Apple Watch. Yeah, like you guys, I'm kind of eagerly anticipating what Watch OS 2 can do, but I haven't really seen the proof yet. Um, like I was looking at my complication list and literally Dark Sky is the only thing that offers a complication that I have installed. And it is indistinguishable from the stock weather Apple uh, notification right now. So, yeah, great. Um, so, uh, you know, right now, the the minor things that have sort of improved my life from Watch 2.0, I really I like that if you're uh, off center in the app listing and you press the digital crown rather than just taking you back to the, the watch app and then you have to like press it again or tap the watch app icon to go back to the watch, it just takes you straight into the watch app icon. That's a little thing. Saves me time. Uh, my colleague Lex Friedman pointed out that if you had an analog face, which occasionally would block the date line on the utility face, you can now use time travel to move the arms so you can actually see what day it is. Great. Awesome. That's classy. Um, That's classy. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, uh, watchOS 2 seems like, you know, it's one of those products that this is kind of the way it should have been the first time around, but... Um, we haven't still seen everything that developers can do to take advantage of that. And I'm, I'm anticipating it, but I, like many of you, find that my Apple Watch does not, you know, command the attention that it otherwise, I feel like it should. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's not there yet. Well, I've added a couple of complications to to my watch. The the one that I'm really enjoying is the OmniFocus complication. I'm a big OmniFocus user, and I've got right now up in the the top left of my watch a little checkbox with a with three next to it that says I've got three things that I've got to complete before the end of the day, and so that's nice to just kind of at a glance 
you know, get an idea of, of where I am. You know, at the beginning of the day, that, that said seven. So I feel like I'm doing okay. I've got four things checked off the list, and I've got three more to do before the end of the day. So that's that's not too bad. I, I too, installed the dark sky, but I'm not real sure what that's doing other than just telling me <laughs> that it's insanely hot outside. But it's kind of what the Apple weather widget did too. But there are a couple of things that I'm looking forward to. And, you know, I, I think the big thing is we'll have to just see how developers take to this. Yeah, that is that is going to be the story because Apple sort of put it on them. Like, all right, you want access to the watch face? Here it is, and we'll see what they do with it. And you know what they can do is limited, which you know it's not like you can have stuff that cycles through a bunch of different things depending on context. That's not in Apple Watch yet. That's not in Watch OS two, and I think that's something that that Andy's talking about, but uh, yeah. that that we we need more of. But it's a good start. Um, it feels to me like this is like the real starting gun for Apple Watch. That now the apps can actually run on their own, and now they can put things on the watch face it's like okay finally let's see what the developers can do all right well that is four topics down uh so all we have left is time for our bonus question here's the bonus as we record this we just passed in the northern hemisphere into fall it is the equinox and um this is a question that comes up in my house surprisingly often what's your favorite season andy uh, easy. Um, favorite seasoning is this thing called Mural of Flavor. It's sold by nope. a company called Tenzies. <laughs> nope. P-E-N-Z-E-Y-S dot com. Uh, it's got <laughs> shallots, onion, garlic, lemon peel. Andy, I said season, not seasoning. Oh. I, I think it's probably the season that we're just winding up. The first couple of weeks of autumn before the clocks change back, where the temperature is really lovely. You're getting a little bit of weather, but no lightning, no thunder. The humidity has been beaten back and there is still enough hours of daylight that you can actually enjoy it and be outside dan well you'll you'll easily be able to tell that andy and i are both new englanders since i will concur with him in every way about that which is the the lovely season between summer where it's not 95 degrees and bloody humid and it's not yet all the uh the leaves are falling and you need a heavy jacket and there's snow piled and so high you can't get out of your house so fall is gorgeous especially these first few weeks Katie. I'm going to have to say late fall because we're down here in Florida. It's still summer <laughs> into September and October. So it'll, it'll be late October, early November before things start to really cool down a little bit. But we are starting to have just a few days where you think, gosh, maybe I'll open the windows or, or roll the windows down. But, you know, just for a few minutes and then it gets hot. Well, my son is a native Californian because he likes to say his favorite season is winter because sometimes it rains. And I say, oh, son, it doesn't <laughs> rain in California anymore, but that's sweet. Uh, but to him, that's he likes the little rainy and, and, and he lets him kind of be cozy. For me, summer. I'm a summer person. I like it. I like it when it's warm. And if we're going to talk about regional seasons, I would say it is the, uh, the, the late summer surge in the Bay Area in right now, mid-September through mid-October, which is our, believe it or not, people who don't live in the Bay Area. The nicest weather of the year is usually early October. Uh, Andy and Iko, thank you so much for coming back on Clockwise. I appreciate it. Always a slice. Thanks, guys. And Katie Floyd, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Uh, We'll see you next week. But until then, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.